Section 7 of The Rover, Volume 1, Number 23. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume 1, Number 23, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section 7. Blanner Hassett, the Lord of the Isle by t b reed what ship comes so gallantly over the sea with wide-spreading pinions and streamer full free and making for harbour the while it comes from a country where tyranny reigns it comes from a country all laden with chains alas for the emerald isle who walks so majestic the deck of that ship a tear in his eye yet a smile on his lip his bonny bride by him the while a free man in spirits a free man by blood the kind blanner hassett the gentle and good a son of the emerald isle the bark is in harbour her sails are all furled the exile erect walks the new western world and a prayer breathes to heaven the while now far to the west over mountains through wood he seeks a retreat in the deep solitude this son of the emerald isle what green isle is yonder that seemeth to lie on ohio's fair breast like a star in the sky where nature in gladness doth smile who dwells in yon mansion all shaded by wood the exile of erin the gentle and good and this blanner has its own isle oh this is an eden a paradise where sweet flowerets are blooming and on the blessed air are breathing their fragrance the while the birds from the branches their melody pour and bright waters murmur along the green shore and cheer the sad lord of the isle years now have rolled by since that mansion was reared and long has the exile by all been revered a man of pure heart without guile the indian the hunter all these were regaled by him were made welcome by them he was hailed the kind-hearted lord of the isle what stranger is this who has stepped to the land who gallantly carries an air of command whose features are lit with a smile the one who the virtuous should dread to come nigh though sweet is his tongue yet there's death in his eye alas for the lord of the isle though bland in his bearing his heart is of stone ambition has marked him full well for her own his passions are vilest of vile tis he who has sought out the sweet solitude to sear with his burning the heart of the good and too trusting lord of the isle ah little they reck the extent of his reach so gentle his manners so kind is his speech so noble so winning the while too sure is the art too sure is the snare alas now the lord and his lady so fair must leave and for ever the isle that island so lovely is dreary alas i cannot but sigh for its lord as i pass a tear is half starting the while 
the flowers all have faded the sweet singing birds and ripples alone seem to echo the words alas for the lord of the isle the trial of colonel burr for treason occurred thirty-six years ago more than the average time allowed for one generation of men to pass away the circumstances of the case therefore cannot be supposed to be very familiar to a majority of readers now on the stage all however who know anything of the matter either from recollection or from history are aware of the strong sympathy excited in the public mind for the unfortunate blannerhasset who was implicated with burr and whether sharing in his guilt or not suffered the withering effects of the transaction and was ultimately ruined whatever may have been the real connection of blannerhasset with the affair and whatever the true measure of his guilt or innocence the glowing eloquence of mr wirt at the trial has thrown a charm over his memory that will touch the hearts of his adopted countrymen for many generations to come well do we remember with what emotion our bosoms were filled when in our schoolboy days we committed to memory for declamation the extract of wirt's speech relating to blannerhasset we give it below as an explanatory of the ballad from our friend reed aaron burr the contriver of the whole conspiracy to everybody concerned in it was as the sun to the planets which surround him did he not bind them to their respective orbits and give them their light their heat and their motion yet he is to be considered an accessory and blannerhasset is to be the principal let us put the case between burr and blannerhasset let us compare the two men and settle this question of precedence between them who aaron burr is we have seen in part already i will add that beginning his operations in new york he associates with him men whose wealth is to supply the necessary funds possessed of the mainspring his personal labour contrives all the machinery pervading the continent from new york to new orleans he draws into his plan by every allurement which he can contrive men of all ranks and descriptions to youthful ardour he presents danger and glory to ambition rank and titles and honours to avarice the mines of mexico to each person whom he addresses he presents the object adapted to his taste his recruiting officers are appointed men are engaged throughout the continent civil life is indeed quiet upon its surface but in its bosom this man has contrived to deposit the materials which with the slightest touch of his match produce an explosion to shake the continent all this his restless ambition has contrived and in the autumn of eighteen o six he goes forth for the last time to apply this match on this occasion he meets with blannerhasset who is blannerhasset a native of ireland a man of letters who fled from the storms of his own country to find quiet in ours his history shows that war is not the natural element of his mind 
if it had been he never would have exchanged ireland for america so far is an army from furnishing the society natural and proper to mr blennerhassett's character that on his arrival in america he retired even from the population of the atlantic states and sought quiet and solitude in the bosom of our western forests but he carried with him taste and science and wealth and lo the desert smiled possessing himself of a beautiful island in the ohio he rears upon it a palace and decorates it with every romantic embellishment of fancy a shrubbery that shenstone might have envied blooms around him music that might have charmed calypso and her nymphs is his an extensive library spreads its treasures before him a philosophical apparatus offers to him all the secrets and mysteries of nature peace tranquillity and innocence shed their mingled delights around him and to crown the enchantment of the scene a wife who is said to be lovely even beyond her sex and graced with every accomplishment that can render it irresistible had blessed him with her love and made him father of her children the evidence would convince you that this is but a faint picture of the real life in the midst of all this peace his innocent simplicity and his tranquillity this feast of the mind this pure banquet of the heart the destroyer comes he comes to change this paradise into a hell yet the flowers do not wither at his approach no monitory shuddering through the bosom of their unfortunate possessor warns him of the ruin that is coming upon him a stranger presents himself introduced to their civilities by the high rank which he had lately held in his country he soon finds his way to their hearts by the dignity and elegance of his demeanour the light and beauty of his conversation and the seductive and fascinating power of his address the conquest was not difficult innocence is ever simple and credulous conscious of no design itself it suspects none in others it wears no guard before its breast every door and portal and avenue of the heart is thrown open and all who choose it enter such was the state of eden when the serpent entered its bowers the prisoner in a more engaging form winding himself into the open and unpractised heart of the unfortunate blannerhassett found but little difficulty in changing the native character of that heart and the objects of its affection by degrees he infuses into it the poison of his own ambition he breathes into it the fire of his own courage a daring and desperate thirst for glory and ardour panting for great enterprises for all the storm and bustle and hurricane of life in a short time the whole man is changed and every object of his former delight is relinquished no more he enjoys the tranquil scene it has become flat and insipid to his taste his books are abandoned his retort and crucible are thrown aside his shrubbery blooms and breathes its fragrance upon the air in vain he likes it not 
his ear no longer drinks the rich melody of music it longs for the trumpet's clangour and the cannon's roar even the prattle of his babes once so sweet no longer affects him and the angel smile of his wife which hitherto touched his bosom with ecstasy so unspeakable is now unseen and unfelt greater objects have taken possession of his soul his imagination has been dazzled by visions of diadems and stars and garters and titles of nobility he has been taught to burn with restless emulation at the names of great heroes and conquerors his enchanted island is destined soon to relapse into a wilderness and in a few months we find the beautiful and tender partner of his bosom whom he lately permitted not the winds of summer to visit too roughly we find her shivering at midnight on the winter banks of the ohio and mingling her tears with the torrents that froze as they fell yet this unfortunate man thus deluded from his interest and his happiness thus seduced from the paths of innocence and peace thus confounded in the toils that were deliberately spread for him and overwhelmed by the mastering spirit and genius of another this man thus ruined and undone and made to play a subordinate part in their grand drama of guilt and treason this man is to be called the principal offender while he by whom he was thus plunged into misery is comparatively innocent a mere accessory is this reason is this law is this humanity sir neither the human heart nor the human understanding will bear a perversion so monstrous and absurd so shocking to the soul so revolting to reason let aaron burr then not shrink from the high destination which he has courted and having already ruined blannerhasset in fortune character and happiness for ever let him not attempt to finish the tragedy by thrusting that ill-fated man between himself and punishment end of section seven Recording by Alan Mapstone.